Well, this morning we're getting ready to move into uh, another part of our series on Rooted. And as our graduates are looking at a pivot into another, another season in their lives, one of the things that I'm hoping is that they can take away from their experience here uh, some deep roots that will enable you as you move into a life that um, is by God's definition, a miracle in and of itself, but also an opportunity to move into the journey that he's got mapped out for you. And I think for the success of that, uh, you do have to stay rooted in those things. It's our part. And as we just consider that for a second, I want to move into a kind of a pastoral uh, moment of prayer. And then we're going we're gonna to launch it with a, a song you may be familiar with and then move into um, uh, the next installment of our series. Would you bow with me? Father, as we think about all of the messiness of life and how in so many ways we wonder where your hand is at work in circumstances, And then all of a sudden we wake up one day and we've achieved something that's a huge milestone in our lives. And we thank you, Father, for being with especially our students who have in so many ways persevered and uh, fulfilled their calling to this part of their life. And I pray, Father, that as each of them considers your purpose and your will, that that question in their minds would loom large. That as you help them to see where they're at and get their bearings and they move on, I just ask, Lord, that you help them to finish well. I pray that the rootedness of who they are in Christ and how their roots are entwined with one another will be that stabilizing force as they take on challenges as they take on opportunities, as they look at adversity and they find the courage to overcome. I just ask, Father, that your grace would be upon them and the strengthening of Christ would be in them and the body of Christ would surround them. And I just ask for each of us in this room as we consider our role and their encouragement that you give us the wisdom that we need to say what we need to say in a timely way that we follow your divine nudges and that we allow your spirit to help us to help them. And we thank you, Father, for the treasure that they are and for the potential that you've bundled within them. And we're excited to see things continue to unfold. I just pray also pastorally for those in the room who are on their own journey and they're seeking your will and your purpose and they're facing their own giants, their own adversities and challenges that they would know that in you and through your people, uh, there is a way to remain strong. And so help us, Father, to capture that vision, to embed it in our hearts and our lives and be deeply rooted in it as um, we take the foundational elements of the church experience and make it a key part of our, our life in this world. And I pray, these, I pray all of these things on behalf of our graduates and those that surround them that your will would be fulfilled. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, 
perhaps you did recognize that song. It's only played on the radio a million times. And when Tom Petty does a concert, he says that song of all the songs is the one that people respond to the most. And all the mail that he's received from people that enjoy his music has uh, almost invariably mentioned that song as a means of finding courage and finding strength. And as I listen to that song, I, I find that part of it resonates with me because there's so much about life that is so challenging. And you can choose to roll over or you can choose to try to face it with courage and hopefully uh, hoping against hope you can overcome. But what I want to help you to understand is as powerful as that song is, it takes even more than just a strong will or desire to confront the adversary or the challenge or the opportunity and to be able to get beyond it to the other side. And as a pastor, as a father, as a person who has been in that, in that particular role at one point, I know that it's going to happen. And my concern in my role is helping you not so much on how you start out, but how you finish and perhaps trying to wire into some of those things some of those things into your life in a way that you can say yeah I remember back in church we learned to be rooted in the Lord or established in the Lord or standing firm in the Lord it's interesting that Tom Petty uses this, the word I will stand my ground there's a very important passage of scripture that is found in Ephesians 6 that talks about standing and it is filled with metaphors that you can reflect on. And it says that we wage war not against flesh and blood but against powers and principalities and the things of the air and you have to keep this in mind that you need to put on the belt of truth and the helmet of salvation and you need to have the breastplate of righteousness and, and the shoes that announce the gospel of peace and then it says to stand and to pray but notice that Paul in that passage in Ephesians gives us some metaphors to reflect on so that when we are in a place where we are facing the adversity we may want to listen to Tom Petty and try to find a basis for courage and encouragement, but we may want to go a little bit deeper and listen to the voice of Paul who's listening to the voice of Jesus. And he's telling us, stand. But Paul doesn't often leave it there. He takes it to an even deeper level because he understands something about ourselves that maybe we don't even realize. And that is we can't stand alone. By design, we are not, we are not, <clears throat> we are not designed by God to be in this responsibility and role called life without other people helping us along the way. If, <clears throat> if I were a high school graduate and I was going into college and I was thinking about all the things ahead of me, I might consider that it's just me working hard and making it happen. But if you've done that, you discover along the way that it is other people that you meet along the way who are helping you, equipping you, encouraging you. And without them, you find in, re in hindsight, man, they were there for me at a critical time, perhaps when I was hitting a wall or getting ready to give up. And did you know that by design, God has made the church so it would be that way? And I hate to say it, but you guys... We're dealt a hand in a place and time that says, basically, 
It's all about you and you can do it on your own. And you're a consumer like everybody else and you can, you, you can, you can take this and you can take that and you can just make it part of who you are and perhaps you'll do well. But the reality is we need each other. As Tom had you stand and look at the people around you, um, he recognized something that is just critical to our DNA. We can't do it alone. And I want to launch into this message today by asking you a question. There's a tree that's on a beach that I'm fascinated by because I really don't understand how a tree that size can end up, wind up in a place like that. Anybody care to guess how that tree got there? Or what kind of tree it is? Or what its story is? Mickey? I think part up of Washington and California. Uh-huh. coastline there that will cave off, so it keeps working inland. Big trees can fall off and circle the globe. They fall off and then they just go. And they have no control at that point, do they? They're at the mercy of the forces that work in the water. A plus. I didn't pay you to do that, but I can pay you later if you need. And as, um, as, as Mickey just kind of shared with us, this is on the coast of California, on the border of uh, Oregon and, and, um, and California up in the north. But the thing about the tree that they discovered when they paid a little bit closer attention was it was not from that area. It was actually from just north of Los Angeles. The whole band of, north, of the coastal uh, area of, of, of Monterey on up is just littered with redwoods. Most of them in groves, bundled together. A few of them in the inland part that are the old ones. You know the one that you drive the car through? Anybody ever seen that one? And you look at those trees and you say, we don't have those back in Ohio. And if you've ever been there visiting the sequoias and the redwoods, you marvel at the fact that those things are just so, so stinking huge. And how in the world can a tree grow to that height? And then when people tell you, well, it takes them about 150 years to get that high, and some of them have lasted about 1,500 years in the process, and they've just, you know, like some of us, we just kind of get wider. And like the tree. Isn't that funny how there's an analogy between creation and ourselves in so many different ways? And as I'm going through this series on roots, because I'm looking at roots rather than trees because the wind blew all my trees over, I'm thinking what what's the value of roots and what, is, what does God have to say about roots? Because I honestly believe that he has a few things to say. And one of them is found in Colossians chapter 2. And Paul writes about a church like ours. And he's saying that I want it to work. And I want it to work well. And I want the people to do well. I want them to thrive. And in the back of his mind, you know what he's thinking? I don't know that he's thinking exactly this, but I think he's thinking something like this. You remember the tree I just showed you a minute ago? He's thinking, I don't want them to wind up in a place that is not, not, their, not their true destiny. I don't want them to wind up in a place that at some point in their life, forces became so powerful that they were just along for the ride till the end. And when God looks at us, he knows that he has done so much for humanity in general and for us specifically 
so that we can not wind up in a place of our own choosing, but we can end up at a destination that we're all working together with each other and God with us in the process to arrive there collectively. Now, I can't even imagine what that tree would say if it had an opportunity to tell a story. It's like, yeah, I was hanging out on the edge of the cliff for, I don't know, a couple hundred years, and all of a sudden, I heard a piece of dirt from underneath me fall and skitter across the rocks, and then next thing you know it, I'm going, whoa! And then I'm careening down the hill and into the water and completely disconnected and off to a place I don't know. And where I'm going to land, I have no control. Now, obviously, trees can't talk that I'm aware of. But if that one could talk, I'm sure he would tell you, yeah, let my life be a cautionary tale about what you shouldn't do. Or maybe he's saying, I was connected, but the ground underneath me eroded so much that I disconnected. And you notice I've used the word connected and disconnected. It's, it's not an accident that when Paul talks to believers like you and I, he always embeds that conversation in the context of other people. If we go back to the scripture that we had up there a second ago, in Colossians chapter 2, it says, For I want you to know how great a struggle I have for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love. The hearts are knit together in love. Now, I'll stop right there for one second, and I want you to consider this. In Romans chapter 1, verse 20, we read these words. Let's jump over to that. Ever since the creation of the world, his eternal power and divine nature, invisible though they are, have been understood and seen through the things he has made. What's God telling you and I? All you got to do is walk out the door and look around and you will see things that point to me. It's just the way I've made everything. Everything is engineered in such a way that if you ask the right questions and you pay careful attention, you'll actually see it pointing to me. Now, most of the time, we don't really think about that. But sometimes we go to a place like the Sequoias or someplace out in the wilderness and we're overwhelmed by a sense of God's majesty. Because essentially God is saying, we really don't have any excuse. I'm all over the place and stuff is pointing at me all over the place. Why? Because I want to show you how much I am a part of this experience without overstepping the bound where I'm overriding your life. Because you have a role in this as well. You have a part to play. You have a responsibility. And as Paul is writing that, he's hoping that people will come to their senses. Because a lot of it is, a lot of people aren't very well rooted. They're not very well grounded. And they're just not really getting it. But back to Colossians. In Colossians, he says, we are knitted together. And if I could just expand on that for a minute... How deep do you think the root system is on a redwood, a sequoia? Anybody know? Just, just a guess. I mean, if you build a skyscraper uh, 200 stories high, you've got to go down 
10 probably just to keep the thing from tipping over. So how far do you think a redwood needs to be uh, sunk into the ground? Four feet? Only a foot? Wait a minute. Are you guys delusional? No? Obviously you're not. You're, you know, I know you well enough to know you have your quirks, but you're not that. <laughs> and I know that as I'm listening to those words, that there's another explanation. And it has a lot to do with what's going on around the trees. You see, the root system of a sequoia is... Well, let's just show a picture of what it looks like. It's knit together. It is the way that trees of that stature can have pretty shallow roots. And, and, and I've read anywhere from 1 to, to sometimes 20. But most of the time it's between 4 and 8 uh, feet deep. And the thing that allows a tree to last 1,500 years, give or take isn't so much what the tree in and of itself is capable of doing, but how interconnected that tree is at the root level with the trees around it. Do you catch that? And I think it underscores a valuable truth that God is trying to tell us in a whole bunch of different ways. And here is a great example, the most majestic tree on the planet the ones that literally tower over everything. I mean, how, much, how, tall, how, how tall do you think these trees get? Mickey's like, I'm not saying anything more because he said I had some quirks. <laughs> They're good quirks. Mine are worse. But if you were to compare, the, the ones on the Inland Empire, the big gigantic sequoias that are the wide ones that have been a long time, about the height of the Statue of Liberty... Most of them along the coast can get almost at 350 feet high. How, high, how far is a football field? 100 yards, 300 feet? That's a long way. Can you imagine something that towering, so dependent on other people, or other trees in this case? Like they'll never make it if they disconnect. And if that redwood that is now dead wood along the... I know you're like, I can hear eyes rolling right now, so just let's move on. That redwood that is on the beach, if it could tell tales, it might say, I'm here because I, choose to send, I chose to send my my roots out to the ocean breeze. It felt so good just feeling the, the wind and the, the, the salty rain on them and stuff like that. But I knew it wasn't good for me and eventually it cost me. Or it could say, through no fault of my own, I was just a tree minding my own business and the stupid soil, well, it gave out and then I gave out. Or it could say, yeah, I was connected but there just wasn't enough around me to sustain me. And I suppose if that were the answer, that's one I'd want to explore. Because I think a lot of us will leave here and we'll have in our minds our faith is important and I won't back down and I will do my best and I will try hard and I will make it happen. And my faith 
will, along the way, be that place I go to whenever I need to pray, when I need to ask God for strength, whenever I'm against the wall and I can't figure it out, I, I will go to God. But I have to tell you, it's not going to be enough. By design, Paul says we have to be knit together. And he's telling us that our faith works in connectedness with God on the vertical plane, but also connectedness with one another on the horizontal plane. Let's just go back to the scripture we were reading and and, and continue to follow the thread. He said we're knit together in love. Now when my kids were in the car at age 4, 5, and 6, this is interesting for sure. Well, now let me do the math again. 7, 8, and 3. How's that? But you would have those moments where you're too close and you're touching each other. He's touching me. She's touching me. Leave me alone. Get your own space. Have you ever heard that before? Or am I just making, am I just, okay, you know. We don't, by nature, we don't do well too close to people, do we? Well, imagine taking that caricature and moving it into people walking around in adult bodies. Like, I don't like what you're saying. I don't like what you're doing. I don't like how you're doing that. I don't like your attitude or your opinion or on and on. Never happens in a church, thankfully. (laughs) Okay, I lied. See, there's a problem right there. I just lied to you. I'm the pastor, so how bad can it get? It can get pretty bad. And the only way that it can even work is to keep some things in mind about what sustains the whole thing to begin with. So, like you, I don't want to back down. I truly don't. But I want to do the right thing. Not for myself, but for people around me. And sometimes God says, yeah, you say that, but you need to eat a little humble pie along the way so that you do the right thing. And the best school for that to happen is to have people come close, call you out. Sometimes they even kind of challenge you a little bit. Sometimes, even worse, they'll come alongside in a very loving way and say the very thing that you know is true, but you just don't want to hear it. And God says, that's kind of how it works when I'm knitting your hearts together. What is he knitting hearts together with? Love. Love really is the disarming element in all of this. In so many forms, it's God's way of saying, I want to encourage you in a spirit of love, through my spirit, and through the people around you that are cheering you along the way. And in the process, I want those bonds to just get Better and better. Stronger and stronger. Because no matter how capable you are and how strong you are and how your capacities are so great, you can still end up like that tree on the beach. Looking in the rearview mirror and saying, not sure how it happened. Here I am in cloudy, stormy, 
almost Oregon, and I was living in beautiful Monterey, and here I am. Well, God has given you so much, and the graduates that are here, and the one that's not, who will have a graduation party for him later on today. But all that said, whenever you look at the people around you, your parents and those that are supporting you, they're seeing in you all of this potential, all of these capacities, and they know that you're going to have ups and downs and challenges. And in the spirit of love, they're going to be praying for you. And if I hear about it in my role, and oftentimes just as a discipline, I'll keep you lifted up in prayer as well. Because none of us wants any of us to end up on the beach looking in the rearview mirror saying, not sure how I got here. It was going a lot better where I was. And all of a sudden, wrong turn. What keeps that from happening? Paul looks at these people and he says, I want them to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Now it sounds like some kind of mysterious treasure hunt, doesn't it, where the mysteries are unfolding. And what Paul wants us to realize is that people are kind of going to dupe you along the way into considering that what you learned here for the formative years of your life was based on a lie. And they'll give you fine-sounding reasons for why that's the case. But what they will not give you, and I underscore this, they will not give you the abiding presence of God in His Spirit. That when things are just as rough as they can possibly be, He'll be there for you. Not the person who's saying, there is no God. He doesn't care. The people in the church will say, yeah, I'm not sure about all that stuff, but I do know this. God is at work in me, and He's calling me to be a presence in your life so that you can be strong. Just another way of putting it, if I were to give any advice, and I've given this to my kids, don't look so much at what you see and hear. Look at the fruit as to where wherever those ideas are getting you. And you can see and hear a lot of things that are very tempting and compelling, but the fruit of it at the backside, not so good. Part of your root system is just helping you to have the mind of Christ as you leave here and trusting that there are mysteries that are yet unfolding and will continue to unfold in your understanding in Christ. Let me ask some of the more seasoned people in the room. Raise your hand if you honestly can say that at this stage in your life, you're still learning new things about the Lord. Everybody is. God is in this ongoing process of allowing us to understand what we need to understand when we need to understand it. And then when we get to another place, he's like, oh, let me show you. There's more. And oftentimes, he uses one another to help in that process as well. 
Well, let's get ready to land the plane here pretty quick. He says, in order that, uh, for though I am absent in the body, yet I am with you in spirit, meaning he's praying for them. And there will be times, guys, when you are in college or away, we'll be with you in spirit. We'll be praying for you. And um, our primary concern is how well grounded you are in the faith in Christ. And so as you've received him, walk in him. And then we read these words. What's the first word there? Rooted. Rooted. And what's the primary strength of the root system of the giant California redwood? Is it its own strength or the strength of others around? Now, I can't wait to go see the redwoods. I think it's going to be awesome. It's on my bucket list. I can't wait to drive my car through the tree that has the hole in it. I can't wait to just marvel at something that obviously they've never had in Illinois. But you know what I can't wait for even more? As I've been here for 14 years, I've seen, I've seen you guys grow up. I can't wait to see what kind of life God has in store for you. And what I want you to know is that I don't want to create an expectation that you'll come back here and you'll be like, oh man, I just didn't measure up to the pastor's expectation. That's not my concern. My concern is, are you staying rooted in the things that truly matter? In the things of the Lord? Because that's really what the whole thing truly is about. Giving us circumstances that test us, that try us. If a sequoia is confronted with a test, like erosion, where all the rain is causing the soil to, to, to diminish, do you know what it does? It will actually create another layer of roots. It will keep striving to keep healthy the thing that's necessary for it to stay healthy. If the sequoia is struck by lightning, most trees die. Many of them, they just, they carry on. Traumatized, somewhat having their tree bell rung, but perhaps telling the other trees, look, if I can get struck by lightning and still make it, you can make it. And there's so much about the body of Christ that is just a ready-made resource. Whether you're here or whether you're on the campus that God is leading you to or the work environment that God has placed you in, makes no difference. God is saying, I want you to be connected to people who will keep you strong. And so as I just kind of end it right here, and I we're looking at these trees, there's just one more picture that I want to put in your head. 
And it's of all of them together. That is what they call a grove of trees that is essential for their well-being. It is like grass is green, water's wet, and if we want to thrive, we got to be in groves. And it's just another name for a church or a group of people that love you as you are, accept you as you are, and have one primary interest to see you see you stay strong and to rescue you if you need to or to have you be a rescuer if others around you need need be let's close let's 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 pray shall we father we thank you for establishing us in the things of the lord as so much has been poured into these young lives that we are celebrating and that we are just marveling at your handiwork in the unfolding mystery that is their lives. And help them, Lord, as they see you at work in new circumstances, new relationships, new opportunities. Help them to recognize that the same Jesus that was with them in the various ways in church and family is the same Jesus that in other ways will provide wisdom and guidance, whether we're in the workplace or whether we're at school, However it is that you call us, Lord, help us to lean on you and to lean on your people. And I pray for each of our students as they go on that they could find communities to be embedded in and connected to. And for those who are, who are working, who are just looking at how it is that you're calling us to just move into that space, I pray that you would surround them with people that would have your voice that there would be a greater connection as life's complexities become, as they increase, that you would be that means of support through your people, whether it's at First Christian or anywhere else on the planet that you, that you lead these wonderful kids to. And we thank you, Father, and just bless each of them and help us, Lord, to be a blessing to them in the process. In Jesus' name, amen.